4. If you would, for our message this morning, and uh, the title of the message may shock you, but that's okay. I've, been, I've known to, to do that before. The title of the message is, God Needs Us. Now that sounds crazy, doesn't it? God needs us? Yeah. God needs us. Let me read to you chapter Matthew, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, verses 35. This is, on that day, and we'll get to that day, we'll, we'll go through the background of it. On that day when evening came, he said to them, he meaning Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Okay? Leaving the crowd, they took him, Jesus, along with them in the boat. Now, Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. So we need to see the picture clearly. So leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern. Now, we're going to have to talk about the boat in a little bit, and so you stick with me. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him. And they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? God needs us. That may sound stupid to think that God would need you. I mean, come on, Reagan, you know better. God doesn't need you, does he? Yes, no. (laughs) Maybe he does. And maybe that's what we don't realize. And maybe that's what God wants to show us on on a daily basis. To make this passage clear, we would have to understand Jesus has been teaching and preaching all day long. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He's, everybody's come down to the seashore. They want to hear this man, Jesus. They're flooding so much that he's, you know, backing up to the edge of the sea, backing up to the edge of the sea. You guys are just keep coming and coming, and there's no way he can go any further by, except getting in the water. So the disciples say, get in the boat. So he gets in the boat. They back up out to the sea. Now everybody is out there on the land listening to him. There's a crowd. And the scripture tells us uh, he's teaching them with parables, and he's talking about the parable of the sower and the seed and the different soils. And so he's teaching the people in parables, but when he teaches his disciples, Reagan, he's explaining in full to the men that are with him. Verse 33, verse 34 tells us that. I have a question. Remember we ask questions? We, we, we take pictures? Get your cameras out? We look for attitudes. We got attitudes today. Okay? He gives them full explanation to his men. Why do we need to know the truth in depth? Why is he telling the people out there, the general public, 
the parables of the sower, but why do we who are his disciples need to know the truth in depth? Because that's what he's teaching you. That's what he's teaching me. We're in the boat. Why do we need to know that? Because God needs us. He needs to know what we know. He needs to make sure, Reagan, I'm picking on Reagan this morning, I don't know why. It's okay, thank you. I have permission. He needs to know that you know what he knows so that when she comes to you and says, Reagan, tell me this, you know exactly what to tell her. That you're not just hearing parables, you're hearing truth, and the truth is making lodging in your life so much so that you can turn around and share that truth with someone else. God needs us. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, we see in this picture... Jesus, at the end of the day, when he's all through and they're in the boat, remember, they're still in the boat, Jesus turns to his disciples and gives a gentle command. And he says, let's cross over to the other side. It's nighttime. They've been in that boat all day long. Those people have been out there all day long. They've got to be tired. Everybody's got to be tired. Let's cross over to the other side. Please note Nobody asks Jesus why. Nobody. And they obey. Question. What's the question? You don't know. Where are we going is a good question. What happens to us when we choose, Dan, when we choose to obey God? They didn't ask questions. They didn't say, you know, we're tired, Lord. Don't you understand? We're human. We've got problems. We're hungry. Well, let's go to the McDonald's. Let's send somebody off there. I mean, let's do something. Nobody is questioning his command. Let's go to the other side. Nobody asks why. They just obey. Do you, does God always know what he's doing? Oh, so, yeah, you're doing this. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's your, that's your visual sign. But what are you saying in here? How many times have you said, all right, God, you better explain yourself. I don't understand this. You're making a mistake. Nobody in here has ever said God's been there. You never told God he, that he made a mistake. You wouldn't do that, would you, Rick? You would, you, no, you would never do that. No. Does he always know what he's doing? Well, I'd like to think so. This book that we read from, this Bible, is not a story book. This is the Word of God. And we'll get in, maybe next month we'll get into the book of John, especially chapter 1, where it talks about the Word of God. If we obey, we're in the boat. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. What will we learn if we obey? The first thing we're going to learn is we're not alone. Because that verse 36 says that uh, other boats were there. We didn't notice that, did we, when we read, read the scripture? You didn't catch that. Everybody's on the land, but not everybody that wants to be near him is on the land. Some of those who want to be near him got their own boats. They got them tied. 
side to side to side. When we lived in Florida, when I, my wife and I lived in Florida, we lived right there in Melbourne, Florida, right along the Indian River. And the Air Force was having a huge weekend festival with all their jets coming. We had an airport right there, and it was right on the water, almost on the water. And we're driving to church, and we're driving down US-1. Minding my own business, my wife's there, I'm driving down. And I look over to the river, I'm going south, look over to the river, and there are boats tied to each other, Reagan, side by side. Just like you're sitting side by side, there are boats, and I'm looking in the river, and that river is filled with boats side by side. They're there to see the air show that's being put on. I am watching the boats, and I'm not watching what else is happening. And all of a sudden comes this huge fighter jet that was coming from the south. I'm watching the boats instead of watching the air, and he just took a dive and went like this, and I'm going like this because he's coming right at me. When they obeyed and moved away from the land, we suddenly find out there are other boats there. Do you know why? Because there were other people there who weren't, couldn't get on the land, but they had their own boats, and they wanted to hear what Jesus was saying. If we obey the Lord Jesus Christ, we will find that there are other people who are as hungry as we are for the word, who want to touch him just as badly as we want to touch him, who want to be ministered to him, to, to us, by him, as much as anyone else. If we obey, we will recognize that there are people surrounding us who need Jesus Christ, just like we do. But we've got to learn to obey. Because the moment we obey, we lift the anchor and we move away. And the moment we lift the anchor and move away, those other boats start following you. Hello? Hello? Which direction is your boat going in? What are you saying to those who are following you? Okay. Those other boats are filled with people who are hungry, who are needy, who want more than what they've been getting all day long from Jesus, recognize that if they're going to get more, they're going to have to get closer to him. And that is the issue. If you want more from Jesus Christ, you've got to move your boat toward him. You've got to get away from the land where all that crowd was because they're not following, and you've got to decide which direction your boat is going in. So if we obey, some things happen And some glorious realities come into our lives. However, if you want more, you may have to pay a price. You got quiet. The other issue is, once you see people following, are you going to let them continue to follow you? Will you be big enough to say, gee... Nick looks around, and those people are following me, Nick is saying. You going to let them? No. That's the wrong answer. Thank you for giving me the wrong answer. Why are they following you, Nick? Jesus is in your boat. And I like that. 
And I can't get in that boat with you because it's already full. So are you going to let me follow you? Are you going to be a leader? Are you going to, are you going to let the, the reality of the love of God shine through you so much that other people will see that and begin to follow you? The other problem with following is are you willing to pay the price to follow? Well, we don't think of things like that. Well, preacher, what do you mean? What, what price? What price? <clears throat> I got news for you. There's a storm coming up here. Huh? Let's go to the other side. Verse 37. There's a storm. There arose a fierce gale of wind. Look at the words. A major storm is suddenly hitting them out of nowhere. And it's not only hitting the boat that Jesus is in. Guess what other boats it's hitting? Come on. The other boats that are following. See, you're leading the way. Jesus is in your boat. And I want more than what I've got now, but I like what you've got. So I need to know, am I willing to pay the price to follow those who are close to Jesus? Because there are storms that will come up in your life every day. Are you willing to weather those storms? Okay. Verse 37, arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Major storm, winds, waves, the boat sinking. I don't want that storm in my life. <clears throat> but you want to follow Jesus? Yeah, I want to follow Well, <clears throat> if you're going to follow the Lord, you have to be willing to do what it takes to stay with him. And if you do that, you will run into storms in your boat. And you will have to depend on the mercy of God when that storm comes. Because you're going to look around, you're going to feel the wind, you're going to see the waves, you're going to see that your boat looks like it's sinking, and you're going to ask a question. The question is, where is Jesus when I need him? Verse 38. Where is he? Jesus himself, and we need to really understand some things here <clears throat> about Jesus and about this boat. Okay, It says, Jesus himself was in the stern. And he says, he's asleep on a Mike Lindell pillow cushion. Read it. Now, some of you <clears throat> don't realize that I, I use the American Standard Version. But I have so many notes in my Bible that it is now called the Italian-American version. And in the Italian-American version, Jesus is sleeping on a Mike Lindell pillow cushion. Right there in your... Come on, read your Bible. Read it, okay? So, we've got him on, uh, on the stern. The other thing that we need to understand is, the bo how many of you have boats? Okay, so you know a little bit about the boat, Right? The, the, what, end of the, what end of the boat is the stern? The stern. The back. Okay, good. The, Jesus is asleep on Mike Lindell's pillow in the back, the stern, of the boat. What's the front of the boat called? The bow. Got the bow in front. We've got the stern in the back. 
Do you know what the right side of the boat is called? Starboard. You guys are, I mean, you guys are tremendous. The bow is the front. The stern is the back. The right side is the starboard. And for you Italian Americans and Latin Americans and French Americans and European Americans, the left side of the boat is called wine. Right? Come on. Port. See, I knew it. I knew all you wine drinkers were here. I need you to see the position of what's going on. Because Jesus is sound asleep in the back end, the stern of the boat, and he doesn't seem to be worried about a thing. So I have a question. You have a question? Verse 38. Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? How many have ever said, you might not want to raise your hand, but how many have ever felt that way? And you, God, do you see what I'm going through? Why did you put me here? Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? I don't feel this is right. I'm your son. And instantly there's an attitude and they rebuke Jesus. Don't you care that we are perishing? Who said they were perishing? Not Jesus. But they're looking at something. And we look at the things of the earth that affect us and do things to us. And we take those things, those situations, and we evaluate them and we let them come into our system. And all of a sudden we say, oh, I'm going down. Jesus never said that. He never said that. Okay. <clears throat> What's happening in your boat that Jesus does not care about? What's going on in your life that Jesus does not care about it? Why do you think that you're in trouble and Jesus doesn't care about you? Where does it say that in the Bible? Doesn't. Master, teacher, Don't you care what's happening to us? We are going to go down. We're going down. The boat is already filling up now. Well, what brought the fear on? Come on. What brought the fear on? The storm. What's the storm in your life, in your boat, that's causing you to be afraid? What's happening in your life, whatever it is, However big, however small it may be, what's happening that you're going, I'm, I'm dying. Uh, something's wrong. I, I like the light. I like the sunshine. Oh, it's so nice. All of a sudden, it's dark, and I feel I'm about to cave in. It's called a storm. It's called part of life. And we think that Jesus doesn't care about what's going on in our life, and that brings nothing to us but fear, fear, fear. And where was Jesus when all of this storm was going on? He was asleep. Why? You're supposed to ask questions when you read the Bible. Why was Jesus asleep? Come on. Yell at me. Storm has to come to a head? It's a good thought. 
He wasn't afraid. Okay, why wasn't he afraid? Come on, you're on the right track. Come on. He what? He knew his dad? See, now you're making it a family affair. I knew you'd come and make it a family affair. He wasn't, he was asleep because he was at peace. He was at perfect peace. Are you at peace in your storm? Or has the storm put such a severity of fear in your life that your peace has suddenly gone out the window and you can no longer trust God, or at least you think you can't? If Jesus is in my boat, Reagan, and he's asleep on Mike's pillow, I need to know that I'm safe. No matter what the wind is doing, no matter where the waves are, no matter how many much water is getting in the boat, I need to know if Jesus is asleep in my boat, I am safe. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, there are storms. Come on, we know that. I'm not trying to make an issue and saying, oh, there will never be a storm in your life. No, of course not. That's not true. Okay? But if Jesus is asleep in my boat, then he is at peace. I need to be at peace. And that's not easy. So don't let me, don't let you think that I'm trying to make it look easy. And don't let you think that I'm trying to make you look bad if you can't figure it out. No, it's a problem that we all deal with. We are in a boat. Jesus is in the boat with us. We struggle with this. We struggle with that. He's still with us, even in the struggle. Amen? Amen. Then let him live in your boat. Don't kick him out. Well, he's asleep because he's at peace. They wake him up. They rebuke him. They wake him up. How does Jesus deal, verse 39, how does Jesus deal with our fear? He got up, they woke him up, and listen to the verse. He rebuked the wind. Oh, wait a minute, it's just wind. Yeah, I know. He rebuked the wind, and then he said to the sea, hush, be still. Wind died down, became perfectly calm. What's Jesus doing? He is rebuking the source of, of the problem. The waves were not the problem. The wind was the problem. Take a look at what's going around in your life. And you're looking at this, you're looking at this, you see this, you see the waves coming over, the water's coming into your boat, and you think, that's the problem. That is not the problem. The problem is what is causing that. And what was causing it was the wind. And when Jesus got up and looked around, he rebuked the cause of the problem. Are we going to let Jesus rebuke the cause of our problem? Or are we just going to look at the waves and the water coming in the boat? I don't know your boat. You know that. It's your personal boat. I don't know your life. I don't know what goes on. I'm not supposed to know. That's none of my business. But this is... Will you let Jesus rebuke the cause of the problem in your boat? Or are you just going to look at the waves in the water? He rebuked the devil. The wind was the source, not the waves. The waves would have been still without the wind. Are you still with me? There is a source that wants to destroy us. That's the enemy. 
He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy mine. He's tried to do it, and he's not going to win. Amen? And the enemy is trying to kill all of us so that we do not stand up and say, Jesus Christ is alive in me. The devil is the source of our storm because he wants to destroy us. Okay? He rebukes the wind. And the reality is I need to ask another question because I'm, I'm full of questions. Do you know the source of your problem? Or are you just looking at the side effects? I, I don't know your problem. I'm not, saying, I'm not handing out a piece of paper saying, please put your problem down. No, but you know what's going on in your life. You know what you struggle. You know exactly the area where the devil really wants to destroy you and put you down so that you can no longer help God. Didn't I say God needs our help? We'll get there. So let me move on. He rebuked the wind. He only spoke to the waves. They weren't the problem. And after he did that, total peace. Everything died down. Total calm. When God is allowed to rebuke the source of your problem, everything will calm down. But you have to give him permission to do that. And that's where we struggle. Am I making any sense? Okay. Note. Satan wants to stop Jesus from getting to the other side. Do you remember what he said when we first started and read Scripture? After he, they were through all day long preaching to those people, Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Why? Nobody asked him why. We still don't know why. We will before we leave. The devil wants to stop Jesus from getting to the other side because there's something going on on the other side of the lake the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Verse 40 and verse 41 talk about their reactions. He said to them, why are you so afraid? And, and, and God's not trying to be cruel here. And, and please, trust me, God isn't interested in being cruel to you because you're afraid. That's not God. But he's trying to shake them up. Do you think maybe we need shaking up once in a while? Better that he shakes you up than I try to shake you up because my shaking is ridiculous. But if God begins to shake you up, Why are you so afraid? How is it you have no faith? Well, I I understand why they didn't have faith. All they could see was the results of the source of the problem. They didn't know what the problem was. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants us to be able to identify the problems that come into our life as problems coming from the enemy because the enemy does not want us helping God in any way whatsoever. That is the purpose of the devil, to keep you from being productive. Okay, I need to move on. We are having dinner tonight at 7, is that true? I've got till 7, okay. Satan wants to stop Jesus from getting to the other side, and we'll get there. He attacks us in the element of fear. And I really, really need to know what's on the other side. What was driving Jesus so much so that he needed to get the other side? He needed to, Jesus needed help 
to cross the sea. Isn't that what the name of this message was? God needs our help. Now, just so we understand something. Jesus could have said to, to God the Father, okay, just get me a divine helicopter, get me out of here, and zip me over in the Spirit. He could have done that. That happened with Philip in the book of Acts, remember? Okay, the Holy Spirit took Philip where he was and zipped him over to the desert where the eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah. Okay, Jesus could have gotten to the other side on a divine transport, but he chose to use you and me in our normal boats. He needs us. And instantly, when everything is done, we find ourselves on the other side. Thank God we're finally on the other side. Well, we need to talk about the other side for a minute here then. Okay? Wow. I want you to go to chapter 5. And I'm going to read, rather than try to explain everything, I want to read the first 20 verses of chapter 5. <clears throat> of the same book. Remember, we started in chapter 4. People are on the, on, the, on the shore. People are in the boat. People following Jesus in the boat. They went through that storm too. And I have a feeling that those people that went through the storm now have found themselves on the other side with Jesus and the disciples in his boat. Stay with me. Because that's how we dig with our little flower pot trowel. Remember, we dig and dig and dig and dig. So let's go to the other side, and it says this. They came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerizines. Now, you can pronounce that word several different ways, but that's pretty much the way it's pronounced. So we're now in chapter 5. We've left the people that were on the shore. We've gone through the storm. Jesus has rebuked the storm and the, the source of the storm. Everything is quieted down. We've come to the other side, which Jesus wanted to come in the first place when he said, let's go to the other side. There was a purpose in his mind that needed him there. And nobody in the boat knew it. Nobody on the shore knew it, and nobody in the boats that were following knew it. So they got to the other side. When he got out of the boat, Jesus Immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Oh. Oh. And he had, he had his dwellings among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. We've got a problem. Because he had been often bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Stop for a moment. We have not been called to shackle a problem. We have been called to deliver people from the problem. Jesus has not been called by the Father to shackle people. Jesus was called by the Father to deliver you and to deliver me from the storms of life that have kept us from serving Him and will try to keep us from serving Him. But we have a deliverer. His name is Jesus. Amen. He had to get to the other side, Regan, and he needed help to get there. Constantly, night and day, this man, he was screaming among the tombs, in the mountains, gashing himself with stones. Get the picture. Please get the picture. Seeing Jesus from a distance, this demonic, he ran up, and what did he do? Oh, hold the fort, Nellie. This man who was filled with demons 
runs to Jesus, bows down before him. I need you to understand the demons have to bow down before Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he's Lord of God. Even the demonic. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up, bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, this is the demonic, what business do we, notice the word we, not I, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. Stop for a moment. This is a man filled with demons who recognizes Jesus Christ for whom he is. Let me tell you something right now. The devil who was trying to flood your boat with a storm knows who Jesus Christ is, and he hates Jesus. He also hates you, and he also hates me, because we want to serve him, and we want Jesus in our boat. We want him asleep at the backside of the boat, on that wonderful pillow that he can get from Michael and Dell, just relaxing. Because if he's at peace, then we should be at peace. Seeing Jesus, he ran up, bowed down, shouting with a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. The presence of God torments the demonic world. I want that. I want Jesus in my boat. I want the presence of God torturing the presence of the devil and his demons, no matter where they are, and protecting me from them as they try to get close to me and stop me from doing God's will. God has not called us to shackle. God has called us to deliver, okay? Move on. Verse 10. Thank you, dear. He began to implore him, this demoniac, began to implore Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. Well, uh, did we miss a verse or two? Yes, we did. Okay. Eight. He had been saying to them, come out, or Jesus had been saying to this man, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And the man said to Jesus, my name is Legion, for we are many. Stop. In the Roman army, if you had a legion of men, you had 5,000 men. Check it out. There were many demons in this one man. Please get your cameras out. Get a picture of the, 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 the wickedness that was all over this man and how he was not himself, but that many, many, we don't know how many thousand. We, we're not saying there were 5,000. I'm telling you that that's the term that is used in the Roman, uh, the Roman army. For legion. We know there was a whole bunch. We know there were 2,000 pigs that were going to go down in the sea. There's a legion of demons in this man. And they don't know what to do. He was saying, come out. What's your name? My name is Legion, for we're many. Go ahead. And he began to implore him. This man began to implore Jesus not to send them, the demons, out of the country. Why? Because that was their home. The devil does not want God to kick you out of your life. The devil wants to make your life his home. The devil made Judas' life his home. Judas betrayed Jesus. Why? 
He had every advantage that every other disciple had. He had every reality exposed to him through Jesus. But the devil got into him and changed his life and found a place to live. Okay, So he began to implore them, do not send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, Jesus, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. I still don't understand this, except those demons didn't want to leave that man, number one, and number two, didn't want to go down to the depths of hell, Regan. The demons do not like hell, but they're stuck with it. Jesus came along to deliver us from being stuck in hell. Okay? Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, the pigs, and the herds rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Isn't that interesting? One man on the other side was so important to Jesus the night before that he said to his disciples, we got to go somewhere. we got to leave where we are right now with thousands of people on the shore listening to me and all these boats around, but we've got to leave this congregation right now. We need to get to the other side because there's a man over there that is filled with demons and I need to deliver him. God needs our help. Listen to that and let that get into your spirit. No, you can't tell what God to do. No, no, you can't tell him what to do. That's not what I'm talking about. God wants to use us so that he can get from one place to the other with your help so that people will see the quality of God's life in you. Jesus gave him permission. They rushed down the steam bank, jumped into about 2,000 pigs. They were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen, now this is cute, I love this. The guys that owned the pigs ran away and reported in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what had happened. Now, stop for a moment. You own this herd. Jesus comes along and lets all those demons out of that man and they jump into your pigs. How happy are you? Do you have any idea what can happen through your life if you let God get in your boat and ride out the storm with you? Do you have any idea what you can accomplish? Do we as a church have any idea what we can accomplish if we allow Jesus to ride in our boat, New Hope? Because Jesus is saying, I want us to get to the other side. Because there's a need in this valley I'm not saying the valley's demon-possessed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, from my heart to your heart, there is a need in this valley. People need Jesus Christ as their Savior, and there's something blocking them from finding that. And Jesus is saying to those of us who love him, who is in our boat, he is saying to us, he is saying, New Hope, I need to get to the other side. Want to come with me? They went through the storm to get to the other side, Nick. But they got to the other side. And when they got to the other side, they found out why Jesus wanted to get there. Because there was a need so great 
so great that it had to be destroyed by Jesus himself. Please note, Jesus did not send them alone to the other side. He will not ask you to do what you're not capable of doing. The herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what, what it was that had happened. Go ahead. They came to Jesus. I love this. Now, we don't know who they are, okay, really, seriously. But they came to Jesus. These are the people that the herdsmen went to report to. And they observed the man who had been demon-possessed. They knew who this man was. This was not a surprise that this demon-possessed man was out there. But they heard the report, so they came to check it themselves. They found this demon-possessed man sitting down, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Something had come into their community and destroyed a statue of the devil, this demon-possessed man. They were happy to have that demon-possessed man there, as long as he stayed away from them. They were happy to have their 2,000 pigs, okay, as long as the demon stayed away from them. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes in to the life of this man, and in doing so, not only destroys the demons that are in him, but allows the demons to get down into their herd of pigs, and it destroys their herds, and they do not like it. You would think they'd be jumping up and down and say, Oh, wonderful God, what a, what a, you just did a great thing for us today. I mean, you're just using new hope like you can't believe, and the valley's going to enjoy it because we're seeing the power and the glory of God. No, they don't like it, Dan, because their cash flow has just flown into the water. Well, they became frightened. Those who had seen it, those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, they began to implore Jesus to leave their region. Let me tell you this. If you let Jesus in your boat, there are people who are not going to like it. You have to ignore that. You have to decide, do I want Jesus in my boat? You have to decide, how can I help God get from point A to point B because if I let him help me help him get from point A to point B the deliverances are going to be unbelievable the people will be flooding to get in these doors not because of me but because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit if we choose to allow Jesus to live in our boat why was this church built so that 30 40 50 people could come out and hug each other each week I don't think so why are we here so that we can just slap each other on the back and say, oh, it's nice to see you. What are we having for lunch today? No, no, I don't believe that for one moment. If I believed that, I wouldn't come. We're here because God wants to ride in our boat. This is God's boat for this valley. We are God's disciples for this valley. And Jesus is saying to you, he is saying to me, he is saying to New Hope, I need to get over to the other side. Do you want to help me? They began to implore him to leave. 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, listen to this, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him, begging him, that he might accompany him. Why not? I would have. You just freed me from a legion of demons. Are you kidding me? I want to be with you. Please, please, let me come with you now. I, I, I see the difference in my life to such a degree, I can't even think of wanting to go back to my old lifestyle. That's the change that Jesus makes in your heart and in your life. Please let me come. Please, please, please let me come. Let me, let, let me stay with you. Please say yes. In verse 19, Jesus did not let him. He said to him, no, no. Go home to your people. Report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. You know what's just happened? We now have a new evangelist. He used to be demon-possessed. I don't know where you've come from in life, really, seriously. I don't know what your background was, but all of us have come from a background of sin. Is that true? And Jesus forgave us. We became new people in the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, everything passed away. Behold, all things become new. Okay, this man became new. He was the new dude in town with a reality experience of Jesus Christ, a personal reality experience that nobody could deny. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want people to look at us and say, I remember Nick when. And Nick looks up square in the eyes and says, I remember when too, but when's no longer here. Now is here. Not when, now is here. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go home. I know you'd make a good evangelist, but he now has a story to tell. (laughs) What is his story? His story is, I was filled with the devil. And only one person can take the devil out of me, and that's Jesus Christ. I'm not suggesting you're filled with demons. What I'm suggesting is we are all in the same boat. And we all needed Jesus Christ to come in and cleanse us from our sin and to deliver us from all unrighteousness. Is that true? I've got to quit. Verse 20. He went away, the man, and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. We have a brand new evangelist. We have a brand new preacher. We have a brand new man. And why did all of this happen? Because Jesus needed to get to the other side. Do we want new hope? Do we want to help Jesus to get to the other side. What do you got in mind for this church? See, I'm serious. What do you have in mind? What do we want to see a month from now, two months from now, five months from now? Do we want Jesus and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit flow through us in such a dynamic way that Jesus jumps in our boats and says, okay, you can get me to the other side. Because I've got things to do, Jesus is saying. He is not asking you, Reagan, to convert people. 
He's not asking you to forgive sins because you can't do that. That's not your job. But you can let Jesus ride with you. And as they see Jesus ride with you, they will come up to you and say, Reagan, can I talk to you for a moment? Yeah, yeah. What made you change? There's the open door. There it is. That's why Jesus wanted to get to the other side. That's why I want Jesus to get to the other side. I want to see the miracles that Jesus can do on the other side. Did the other boats see this miracle? I think they did. I can't prove that, but I think they did. I think they stayed with them. I think they saw those pigs coming down into the water. 2,000 of those. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't want to miss that thing. I wouldn't want to miss that, that, that uh, sight whatsoever, that experience. And how, how, how much impact did it have on the other people in the other boats when they saw Jesus complete this miracle in this man's life? How much impact will it have on this valley when Jesus is seen in your boat? New hope. And people drive by here and suddenly for some reason they have to pull in, don't even know why, and come in the door. You think God can't do that? You're wrong. You think this church is here by accident? You're wrong. Do you think we're here together by accident? You're wrong. What's on the other side of your storm? Oh, there's a storm. You'll face those. But there's personal blessings on the other side. And I want to be, folks, I want to be on the other side. I want to help Jesus get on the other side. I want to be part of of his structure, part of his team, that even though I see the waters, even though I see the waves, even though it's coming into my boat, I see him asleep in the back on the cushion, and I'm saying to myself, if he's asleep, he's at peace. If he's at peace, I can be at peace, no matter what my storm is. Now, will we go through storms? Yes, you know that. And you've, some of you have been through storms. And God is bringing us out day by day by day by day. Jesus said to those guys, let's go over to the other side. They didn't say, you know, we need to stop at McDonald's first, we're hungry. No, they just obeyed. They followed the will of God. When you and I decide to follow the will of God for our lives, I can't follow the will of God for your life, but I can follow the will of God for mine. But if I follow the will of God for my life, it's going to affect you. If you follow the will of God for your life, you're going to affect someone else. That's called evangelism. Is it possible that God wants to make New Hope an evangelistic center in this valley? I'm, I'm not, I just, I guess my hearing's bad this morning. Do you want this to be an evangelistic center? Then let God in your boat. And help him to get to the other side. Amen? Father, how we thank you. God, we need you. We are nothing without you. But oh, with you. Miracles, divine miracles take place. You've got to teach us some things, Holy Spirit, that only you can teach. I can only teach so much. We're human. But God... Your Holy Spirit has to make things real to us or we'll never invite you to get our boat. We invite you, Lord, as a church. Please, 
Come into our boat. Come into our lives. Take us forward so that we can see the miracles that you want to perform. So that we can help people clean up, live for you, and go out and tell others what good things you've done for them, just like this man did. And people will marvel at the converts and their stories, which is what growth is all about. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, touch every one of us in this room this morning, every last one of us, young and old alike, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, so that we are willing to say yes to you. Each time, each time, you say, let us go to the other side, that we will instantly obey and see the miracles that need to come from your hand. For this anointing, for these results, to bring honor and glory to your name, we thank you, we give you honor, we give you praise. We ask in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Last week I prayed for a few of you people because you felt you had decisions to make in this coming year. I just wonder if there are any testimonies that have happened since last Sunday about that prayer time when I shared prayer with you, a general prayer. But I wonder, because five or six of you raised your hand because there are things that you felt needed to happen this year. Anyone have a testimony? I'd love to hear it if you have it. Anyone? If you have a need, we're going to, dis- we're going to dismiss. If you have a need this morning, I'd love to, I'll stay here for a few moments and I'll pray with you privately. I, you know me now, I don't embarrass people, it's not my job. But I just want to love on you. I want to pray with you and meet your need. Amen? I understand there are some goodies made by Trina. They weren't made, pardon? Oh, so now they're made by who? By the baker. Oh, okay. Well, if they, if they weren't made by Trina, then we know they're good. Is that right? Somebody help me get to the other side. If I can pray with you, please come forward. Otherwise, you're dismissed. God bless you. Say hello to someone, please. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you next week.